Hey, uh, just by the way, my wife was cleaning some closets, and she found uh, a picture that I hadn't seen. This is June 1944, my father's B-24 crew. That's old Pop on the left on the bottom. I don't think I look like him, but <laughs> they had just completed their 33rd mission over Nazi Germany, and they had no idea that that was the last mission, because you're not supposed to survive. I said, I had to be born. She had to survive. Yeah. So, Pop, he's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess that's where I got the flying bug from. But uh, that was kind of an interesting deal. So, he would have been 24. He's 99. On the second of this month, he turned 90. He's still alive. Right? The Nazis couldn't kill him. Nothing can kill him. So I might be around for quite a while, okay? Yeah, don't, don't, be, don't be printing any bulletins of my funeral yet, all right? Got a few dis. Hey, we're, welcome. We're in a series called This Is Us, and it's about relationships and family. And today we're talking about family time. Would you agree that uh, today having a healthy family is a big challenge in our culture? It is. There's a lot going on in our culture that doesn't promote healthy families. There's divorce. There's dual incomes. Mom and dad are both working. That cuts down on family time. Sports, extracurricular activity at school, that cuts down on family time. The popularity of electronics is an all-time high, and the new buzzword is screen time. My Apple phone just told me this morning, I didn't even, I've never seen that before. Your screen time this past week was one hour and 20 minutes. So it tells you how long your face has been in that piece of electronic screen time. Or it could be, it could be more serious. It could be substance abuse, sexual abuse, or activity. So the family's taking a big hit, but the family's not finished. It is fragile, but it needs to be strengthened. And we're going to talk about the family. What's a dad for? What's a mom for? Why is the family important? And to get the right answer, you go back to the owner's manual. You know, you read the instructions. God only created two institutions, only two, the family and the church. One is a natural family. One is a spiritual family. And those are the only two. Family was God's idea, not man's idea. Now listen, everything we produce in America, electronics, they have to fix bugs. Detroit recalls cars. Boeing, they launched their new 737 that went down in the Indonesian Sea due to faulty airspeed indicators that's been plaguing them. They'll have to modify well, when God builds something, when God makes something, God does it right the first time, and it never needs modification. Chaos and confusion comes when we change the pattern out of our own rebellion. Well, I just don't think. Well, I just don't see. Well, I see, when you and Jesus have an argument, Jesus is not the problem. I know for me that's always been the case, too. And get it straight. There are no perfect families. So calm down. There are no perfect families. But what we can do is improve. Everybody, me included, we can improve. And I want to. And I hope you want to. 
So Genesis 2, verse 18, we go back to the beginning. And the Lord God said, it's not good man should be alone. I'll make a helper comparable to him. And then he seals the deal in Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So remember, there's your pattern. Adam and Eve. Now you can, I know we have civil rights, civic rights. I'm very respectful of that. And, and you know, you can choose to do what you want in marriage. You can choose to do what you want in your finances or your health, but you can't choose the consequences. You can't choose the consequences. And God says, if you want something without a lot of chaos, do it my way. But when you see chaos in a family, somebody's not doing it God's way. And when I see people out of control in their money, when they go to the classes on financial freedom, they're not doing it according to the pattern. And so every time we're responsible. So don't be a victim in here. You get to be a participant to build your own future. So right at the beginning of the Bible, it's very clear family was God's idea. He thought it up. So it's not finished. It's just fragile. Now, whether you're married or not, it's not good for you to be alone. You're made for relationships. You know, whether you're married or not, everybody needs companionship. You need friendship. You need people to relate to. And that's why the worst kind of punishment is solitary confinement. God sets the solitary in families. Psalms 68. See, one of the great benefits of being plugged into Summit is that now you have a spiritual family. Some of you are in a situation now, maybe because of the military, where you don't have a biological family close by, or maybe you don't even have one at all. And you've been transplanted here into San Antonio, and a family that was close is now separate across the country. But this message is just as much for you as people that live and have a biological family around them. God took care of that with a spiritual family called the church. And look at the promises you have in Psalms 68, verse 5 and 6. This is the Passion Translation. To the fatherless, God says, I'll be a father. To the widow, he is a champion, a friend. To the lonely, he gives a family. To prisoners, he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God in his holy place. But for rebels, there's heartache and despair. So we serve a big God. He can restore broken families. He can bring people into your life that are even closer than your biological family. I've got brothers and sisters in here that I, and around the country that I'm closer to than any relative I have by blood. I mean, we are close. Anybody else got people like that? You should have. Yeah. Well, there's about four of you. Okay. Some of you ain't friendly at all. Okay. So God can fill the void of loneliness. That's why we're in this series. You know, we got moms and dads spiritual in here if you didn't have one. Yeah, this is for everybody. God's got you covered. So it doesn't matter whether I had a good family, a divorced family. I came from a divorced home. doesn't matter about that. I got a great spiritual. I got a great heavenly father. He loves me. He sees the best in me. He sees the best in you. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. And I think, come on, you can't keep living because of a broken family or a bad experience with a, a parent or somebody. God's given you a replacement. It's a lot better. In the New Testament, Jesus refers to all of us as brothers and sisters. Listen to Matthew 12, verse 50 in the Amplified. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven by believing in me and following me, he is my brother and sister and mother. See, that's family talk. 
Did you know that in the Bible—I know I'll never change this, but at least you can know it. Maybe you'll do a trivia quiz one day. I I don't know. You know, you hear people say, well, this is bishop so-and-so, or this is prophet so-and-so, or this is reverend so-and-so, or vicar, or pastor so-and-so. I just cringe. I hate that. Because you don't find it anywhere in the Bible. You have to go to the American church to get it. But it's not in the Bible. Listen to this. Here's Paul. He's been in the third heaven. He's written 75% of your New Testament. And he's heard some things God wouldn't let him write about. And he's called brother. He's not called bishop, prophet. He's called brother Paul, called to be an apostle. Check me out. That's brother Peter. So nobody is called by a title. Imagine me introducing uh, somebody as, uh, hey, uh, Gloria, I'd like you to meet Plumber Bill. No, plumber is a job description. Bill is who it is. So I would say, I'd like you to meet Brother Bill. Bill's in the plumbing business. So it's Brother Paul called to be, job description, an apostle. He sets things in order. He wasn't called by his job description. That was never used as a title, but everybody was called brother. Okay, I mean, I hate this stuff. You can call me Brother Rick, and if you're, up, if you're a grown adult, call me Rick. That's fine. If it's a kid, yeah, say Brother Rick or, or whatever. But you don't have to call me Pastor Rick. And, and, and I don't want my kids saying, now, Pastor's going to come. No, Daddy's going to come. Daddy's going to come. Get out of that religious nonsense. That's not dishonoring in any way. It's following a New Testament pattern. Why? Because it's family talk. I don't say uh, Apostle Father, Prophet Father. I say Daddy. And it says in Hebrews 3, we can approach the throne of grace crying, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, 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 Father, Daddy, Daddy. It's relationship. My kids don't come into my office by an appointment. They don't come in and I say, oh, Judy, couldst thou allow me to see us to my, my ancient father who parteth his hair on the left side, O ancient of day. No, they just run by Jews. I need to see Daddy. And you know what the request is always for? Money. Sure. Well, it's family. I want to get you into the family deal thinking, okay? Not CEO, not business, family. It's a spiritual family. There's honor in a family. There's respect in a family, of course. And, and so we're, we're each different. But my kids and family, Cindy's not going to get up and say, now pastor's going to come. Oh, gag me. Where did you get that? She's going to say, Rick's going to come. That's what, that's what well... She probably has other words she'd think about, but this is church. Old donkey's going to come, right? That's something. <laughs> Are you okay? Okay, come on. Come on. You can have a little bit of fun. Uh, look at some of the purposes God has for our families. The, f- the first one is it's a shelter, a place of protection. The family is not just a bed and breakfast. It's not just a tax deduction. It's first a shelter from storms. We all have tough days. We all get rained on. We, we all go through some bad weather, right? And you need a place of protection where there's peace, a little refuge from the storm uh, that you can shelter in. Listen to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. I want my kids to feel like whatever has happened, they can come to me. They can come to me, and I'll embrace them. I said, I don't care if it's a prison or a palace. You can't do anything 
to make me not love you. I may not agree with what you've done. I may think this is a terrible choice, but my love isn't negotiable. It's, it's eternal. It's everlasting. I will love you till the day I die. You can come safely into Daddy's arms. And that's what our Heavenly Father says to us as well. He's made that possible through Jesus. And I know some of you had a, a parent that said, well, how were your grades? And you were approved or disapproved by grades you got or what you did or didn't do. Uh, that's a bad way to be a parent. That, that, that's, again, based on performance. You're not accepted by the Father on performance. You're accepted because of the performance of Jesus. So I'm, I, my, my SATs and my grade scores were not enough to curve me in, so I slid in with Jesus, and I, and I, I sort of, what do you call I drafted Him like a NASCAR. I just got up real close and trusted Jesus, and when He got in, Jesus just looked at the Father and said, He's with me. Okay. <laughs> it's like your kids. I'm trying to make it simple, but I understand theologically what goes on. There are a lot of storms, right? Emotional storms, physical, some of you battling health issues, relational issues, divorce, children out of control in some cases, financial storms. And there's a couple of storms family can help us make it through. I was thinking of one, change. Change. Change creates stress. And we live in a time of rapid change. Any ch- when is the last time you ever heard a dial tone? How many of you, how many in here had phones that had a dial tone? Uh, look at that. You can't find one now. No. And, and, and they even use the word speed dial on your phone. But you don't do this with your finger. When you speak, you push a button. See, it's gone. We've changed everything. You can't even find a pay phone. They're gone, right? You can't rent movie. The blockbuster's gone. Yep. And we could just keep naming the things that have changed and gone. Taxis are getting hit because now you can get a cheaper fare on your phone with Uber and Lyft, right? Yeah. And the more changes you have in your life, the more stressed out you become. Companies change. Churches change. We used to have people with tambourines, blankets with babies on the front. We had all kind of wild stuff going on when we started. But we took order and t- we took some, some control and brought a little bit of discipline into the family. Well, some people want to be wild. And I thought, no, you, you can have fun and be liberated, but you ain't going to be a wild banshee and create chaos in a family. You can't do that. I mean, we've had people come down here with bandanas and gun racks and towels, and they just danced all over the place so you'd notice them. And as soon as I said, look, why don't you take that, that dance and towels back, back there in the back? Oh, they didn't want to be in the back, so they left. They just wanted you to see them. See, I'm a daddy. I know. I'm going to whip your little bottom. You ain't gonna, you're not going to misbehave in my house. Not long. And, and I guarantee you, you kept some of you, if you're military, I'll guarantee you, you said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Right away, sir. All I ever remember hearing old Luke G. ever say is, what'd you say, boy? Yes, sir. That's what I thought you said. Anybody but me have a military dad? We didn't get time out. We, we got face through the sheetrock. We didn't, we didn't get time out. <laughs> the ACLU wasn't around then. And so we were, we were very careful to obey. So we need a place of stability, a place that's predictable, you can count. I want my home to be that for myself, for my kids, and for anybody else that might come over. 
It's a peaceful place. It ought to be. And second, failure. There's another storm. You know, nobody wins all the time. We all make mistakes. We stumble. Sometimes we make a bad choice. Sometimes we just fail the test. Sometimes you get fired. Sometimes you're passed over for promotion. They change things at your company or a job. We're changing things all the time. If it's growing, it's changing. And if you, if you can't take change, then you're just going to come apart. And failure is a whole lot easier to handle when you got somebody to put their arms around you and say, you're going to make it. You're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. Even I need that, you know. And for the son who didn't make the team, dad, it's your chance to step up and say, hey, it's okay, Roger. Keep working at it. Come on, keep practicing. We'll make this thing. You won't be the first that didn't make the team or the cheerleaders the first go. Get better. We're going we're gonna to fight this thing. For the husband who doesn't feel like he's providing enough for the family, wife, it's your time to step up and say, sweetheart, I see how hard you're working. I'm thankful how you lead our family. Encourage him. Now, a new mom who's having a hard time balancing things, and babies can really put stress on mom with her other duties in the house, dad, jump up and clean the house. Do the vacuum. Take the load off her. Say, I got it, honey. I got it. She'll love you for it. Right? So for the person in your small group, you got a connect group. Maybe they've gone through a divorce or lost a job or they're grieving from some death in the family. That's your spiritual family. Step up. Embrace. How can I help? What can I do? I can't do everything, but I can do something. And just to know somebody cares and grabs you means a lot. Then there's the storm of rejection. That's the toughest one to handle. It hurts to be attacked. It hurts to be criticized. Some of the most damaging attacks occurred to some people when they were kids. And you can still remember those terrible words. Kids are ruthless with other kids. You know, if you don't believe in a sin nature, you talk to a grade school teacher. Kids say the cruelest things to each other. And if they don't receive positive reinforcement at home, they're going to believe what the kids say about them. So intentionally or unintentionally, we get our hearts broken in life. Life is tough. It is. And rejection is really harsh. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, the Living Bible. One standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can go back to back and conquer. A threefold cord is even better. It's not easily broken. So we need shelters from storms, and home is supposed to be that shelter. Now, you know, in sports, the goal of most games is to get home safe, like baseball. When you're home, you should be safe. So how do you turn a home into a shelter? Oh, simple thoughts. Let me give you four words. Hear, hug, hope, and help. So be the first one to make the move in any of these areas when your family or kids need a shelter. First, hear. Be a good listener. If you're talking, you ain't listening. And if you're thinking of what to say back before they get through, you're not listening. So don't talk more. Listen. It, you may not even have an answer, but you could be a good listener, and it's therapeutic to somebody. If you're thinking about what you're going to say back, then again, I'm not paying attention. So be a good listener. Then hug. Give physical affection in your family. Right. Give lots of it. Pats on the back, hugs, embraces, kisses. No, not the pretty girl on your aisle there. Just back off. But show your affection for your family. 
Appropriate physical contact is healthy. I mean, mama animals lick their little babies and put the trunk around the little babies as elephants. The touch is really, really therapeutic. And it doesn't stop because you're old and big. Everybody loves a hug. And I love to have a church that's friendly where you get a hug when people walk in instead of a four-foot handshake, you know. It's good to get a good bear hug. Men hug men. And, and a band of brothers, guys embrace each other. Football teams that fight through to win do that. Men in combat do that. Men, brothers in church need a good bear hug, and it's good to see it. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And if you didn't get that affirmation in a family, start giving it. I didn't get it. But I said, by golly, I'll hug the heck out of my kids. I kiss them and drool all over them. Now, Jim, Jim Williams is just drooling over here, okay? He's just because of age. But, but, and I drool over the grandkids. I kiss them all. Kiss the boy. Kiss your son. You watch the Middle Eastern cultures where they come in and pay respect to dad and give dad kiss on the cheek. That's a very holy, wonderful thing. They can give him a handshake, give him a hug and a kiss. And I don't care if you're 42. If you're my son, I'm going to give you a kiss. Not a French kiss, a kiss. And a hug. And when you have senior men, I've, I've, I've kissed old Roberts, I've kissed old, Tommy Barnett on the cheek, older, senior, wiser people as an, as an act of honor and respect and endearment. It's just a beautiful thing to do. So if you ha- didn't get that, start giving it to your kids. Give them a big hug. I've read you statistics on the therapeutics. You live longer. You do better when you get that. Moms, hug. Don't gr- grade your child on, let me see if you got a note from the teacher today. As soon as they come home, you hug them and you kiss them. You can talk about the, the behavior in class later. But make sure they know they're loved and accepted. And I didn't get that, so I determined instead of being a thumb-sucking victim who would just pass that bad behavior off to my kids, I was going to do just the opposite. I'm going to love them to death, you know, whatever. And then you help. There's another one. Help. When, when the family needs help, help them out as you're able in some practical way. That's what families are for. We can help each other. We've had people change tires for a single mom out here on a parking lot in a sweaty, hot day, and, and, and no charge to mom. Our guys it, just did it. They went to discount tire, took care of it. That's a good thing to do, a normal thing to do. Somebody gets a special gift or offering, or in a family, they need a little something, give them a little help, take a little collection privately, and give them a little financial aid if it's possible. I'm just saying, in what way can you help? We've, I've, We've scheduled MRIs through our doctors in here at a very cheap price when it was going to cost thousands of dollars because they're in the family. And I says they have no money. They cannot afford $3,000 for the child's MRI. They talk to their doctors who talk to the doctor in charge and says, bring them in. I'll take care of it. There's always God will take care of you. Get in a family connection. Help out. Help out. That's when you really come through, right? And give hope. Build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Give more strokes than you give pokes. Lift people up. Don't criticize them all the time. So family is to be a shelter from the storm. Now, the second thought about family is to be a learning center, a learning center for life. You learn things in your family you'd never learn anywhere else. It's a learning center. In the family, you learn basic skills like how to walk, how to talk, how to eat all the other basic skills you need for life. 
Psalms 144 verse 12 says, may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. The Bible calls the family a garden. It's a garden for growing people, not weeds. You grow and the rest of the family grows too. Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice training and instruction. You want to move your child through three stages. First, you have to tell them what to do. Second, where they know what to do. And last, they ask God, what do you want me to do, Father, with my life? That's what training's all about. Luke 2, verse 52, it's about Jesus as a young man. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That means he grew intellectually, wisdom. He grew physically, stature. He grew spiritually, favor with God. And he grew in his social development, favor with man. Those are three areas as parents We want to especially focus on teaching our children and make sure they take them with them as they grow. So what do you learn from your family? Relationships, right or wrong, you learned how to relate to people from your family. And many of you had to relearn later in life because you learned how to relate in a dysfunctional way. You know, physical abuse, that's learned in a family. Bigotry, racism, prejudice, you learn that in the family. You starts right in the family. And, I, you know, punching, hitting, uh, fighting somebody. You learn that in a family. You saw that. It didn't just sneak up on you one day. Your happiness in life will be to a large degree determined by how well you get along with people. If you can't get along with people, even people you disagree with, you're going to be miserable in life, right? Don't you... I don't know how you feel about it. Some of you have been prejudiced, I'm sure, over the years. But if you listen to too much TV and too much political commentary, you're going to hate people. I don't think that's a good thing. I I do not think. I'm not walking into this church with hate for anybody, no matter how you voted or whatever. And can I disagree with you on some issue, an issue, not going to heaven, but an issue, and just have a different opinion? I don't hate you. You could disagree with me. I don't hate you. I'm not bigotry, I'm not racist or whatever. I just, if it's an issue, I just disagree with you on it. If you can show me a proof that this is wrong, I'll repent and change my mind and say, boy, you know, I'm wrong on that. I'm sorry. I, has anybody but me ever changed your mind on something? Thank you. Just give somebody a break. Maybe they don't know what you know, but don't be so mean. Don't be mean. The, the more you learn, the meaner you get. You need to get some grace. Grace. I think to whom much is given, like you, you know a lot, okay, then much more is required. You extend more grace to people. I want to be gracious, not mean. And this climate today is mean. It is mean. Don't be mean. Don't you? I like our sign down at the end of the Bulverde and Marshall, and it says, be kind and be thankful. It, I, they ought to have a, a what? A, there's 10 commandments and an 11th one. Be nice. Be nice. I have to think about that when I'm on 281. Be nice. Yeah, be nice. 
So people teach you to be, be nasty like that. And maybe you're not even aware of how, how it's shaped your whole life and attitudes about life. I try to find something good in, in everything. I learn from something, even what not to do. So parents have to model good relationships for our children. And that takes energy, effort, and lots of forgiveness. Lots of forgiveness. If we can't forgive without fighting, we're done. We're done. If God could forgive you of your sin, who is it you can't forgive? You don't have to agree with somebody to forgive them. You Joseph said to his brothers, I know you met evil with what you did, but God used it for good. I see the whole picture now. Yeah, I know what you did. I'm not stupid. But he didn't hold a grudge, and he blessed his brothers. He didn't try to get even. Jesus on the cross didn't say, I'll get you when I come back. He said, Father, forgive them. So learn to practice some of that forgiveness. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. Are you teaching those things to your kids? Are you teaching them now how to get along with people different for them? Are you modeling for them how to resolve conflict? We all learn relationships, good or bad, in a family. And then there's character. Character, I think, is more caught than taught. I really do that. We hear people say, I'm not going to be like my mama if it's the last thing I do. And you know what? You end up being just like your mama. See, my children are going to pick up good character or bad character from me. I make that choice, and so do you. Then values. We learn what's non-negotiable in life. What are the values that are important to you? Growing up in your family, you learn the value of money, relationships, failure, success, right? Right or wrong, you learned it. Parents, you either teaching values intentionally or unintentionally to your family. Psalms 145, verse 4, one generation shall praise your works to another generation and shall declare your mighty acts. This is generational transfer. So your family is a relay of values from one generation to the next. You're just a link in a long, long chain. That helps me with my kids and my grandchildren. I'm not just raising my kids. I'm influencing the future generation. The way we train Chrissy is the way she's going to influence Mia and Ethan. And then one day when they're married, and I'll probably live to see it and be a great-grandfather, they will influence their children. So I want the values of knowing God, loving God, loving people. I want those values deeply entrenched in them. And you can have generational impact, not by some political vote, but by changing people and families one, one family at a time. And it spreads. It, it's infectious. It's contagious. It's good. So what kind of legacy? are you leaving for your kids? See, determine in your own life, regardless of your past, alcoholism, divorce, abuse, I'm going to break that chain. I'm going to start a new legacy. Okay, no matter what I came out of, when I come to Jesus, He says, you are redeemed from the curse. All the blessings of Abraham are yours through Christ. Therefore, I am not going to pass on alcoholism to my kids, unemployment to my kids, uh, divorce to my kids. It was rampant in my family, but I said it's going to stop with me. I'm going to break that curse in Jesus' name, and we're going to start a married legacy of good home and family. Not perfect, but a good, safe, and healthy home and family. 
That's an important thing to do. Don't transfer abuse and physical violence and racism and pray. Don't transfer that crud. You don't have to. You, well, I didn't have any choice. You always have a choice. I always have a choice. Same. And choices have consequences. You better be sure before you pitch that hissy fit. You better be sure you know it's got consequences. So get aggressive in your prayer life. Some of you need to ask the Lord to rebuke the enemy's activity in your family. So you get off that child. Pray scripture over your children. We got them out in the bookstore. If you don't know them, my children shall inherit the earth. They shall be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches shall be in their household. They shall possess the gates of their enemies. They shall be mighty in the land, not unemployed. I say that over my kids every blooming day. And I say it over Ethan and Mia too. Sometimes I pray more. Sometimes I'm a, like you, busy, but I always pray. I always bless them. I put a hedge of texture around them. Lord, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. I'm quoting from Acts 28, that they might receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among those that have been sanctified by faith in Jesus. I, I make a good confession. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. If you say, you ain't ever going to be anything, you're going to be just like your daddy, worthless as spit, they probably will. So start saying what God says about them. You know, Jesus, when he talked to his disciples, you are the light of the world. <laughs> He's just talking nice. Let's see. They're gonna, Peter's going to cuss and betray Jesus. Uh, doubting Thomas ain't going to believe. I mean, these guys are worthless. And Jesus is speaking their future over them. And you know what? They went on to become what he said, not what they were. So do that with your family. Pray for your husband. Pray. When he's gone, pray out loud. Pray in a car going to work. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids. You got one kid spiraling out. Just pray. We, like anybody else, always have one you got to pray more for, you know. I can't wait for some of you to have more than one kid. You, uh, okay. Yeah, you won't write. Don't write a book till after you have the second one, a third and fourth. Then, then you might change your mind a little bit. So speak with boldness. Today, Lord, I'm starting a new legacy, a spiritual legacy in my home. Divorce stops with us so that when your kids go through storms, they'll know other generations went through them, and they made it because God was faithful and God was with them, and He'll be with us. They've watched God deliver in your family, so they know in their crisis, God's going to come through. I've heard people say, I'm not going to impose my spiritual values on my children. I'm just going to let them make up their own mind. Ever heard that? That is beyond stupid. What they're saying is I'm abdicating my role as a parent to the culture, to pop culture, to the classroom, or a professor. I'm going to let him dictate blatantly and boldly what they should believe. When people say that, they create the idea that God is an option. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is for you. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk or drive down the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That doesn't sound passive. Whatever will be, will be. Do nothing language. That's aggressive. God said that's your job. See, teaching values is part of our job description as parents. And so some of you today need to make this confession that Joshua made. Joshua 24. 
But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He, it didn't sound timid to me. I know things can be difficult. I know especially when children are in rebellion. But I caution you, don't become passive. There's power in your confession. And the third point is family is a place to play, to have fun, to lighten up. It's a habitat for happiness. God meant for the family to be a place where you relax, enjoy life, have some fun. Jesus did not cramp your style. You didn't get a bad haircut and a bad attitude because of Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 9. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. Proverbs 5, verse 18. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. See, lighten up. Quit trying to do all the suggestions in Parenting Magazine, and then you're still trying to do the ones in the last month's publication, plus 20 mom blogs, which all have the best advice on raising kids, all aiming for perfect children. That's not going to happen. And that's going to give everybody in the home a panic attack. Everybody in the home is going to be stressed out. So hit the reset button. Dial down. Chill. My kids and my grandkids will never be impressed. I wrote any books or had a wonderful church or I speak with renowned men around the world or I clown Mount Rainier. At the end of the day, they could care less. What they want to know is, is Poppy fun to be with? Yeah. I want to go places and do things that are fun with the kids and grandkids. You know, when I'm on my deathbed, my kids won't remember my pious prayers and theology. They're going to remember, oh, daddy was fun. I took our kids everywhere we ever went. Uh, Jim might have done this, but I, when you had that little baby carrier, this is back in the early 70s, I remember Chrissy, our firstborn, I'd put her between me and the co-pilot, Cindy would be in the back, blown up with another baby coming, and we'd, we'd fly around the country. And we went to eat. We, we, we didn't have babysitter. We'd just take the baby, put her on the table, and we'd, we'd eat there. And there's lots of memories we created. We were in a dark five-star Italian restaurant in Savannah, Georgia with Chrissy. And Chrissy's up in the, the deal. I had on white pants, and I had on like an Aloha shirt. It was 98 degrees. I don't know. It was a hot day. But it was real dark in a restaurant. And I thought I'd spill some bolognese on my white pants. But it was not bolognese. <laughs> and it was Chrissy. And we were using napkins and knives, thinking originally it was bolognese, until I said to Cindy, very quickly, go to the car. Take her. Go to the car. I'm going to go over and pay the bill. When that waitress gets to this table, she is going to die. She will, she's going to wonder, what the heck happened at this table? It was awful. And we laugh about it to this day. So many, it was funny. I always wish we had a camera of when that waitress went to the table and that bolognese hit her. You know, I'm thinking, oh my Lord. Lots of funny stories like that. And if you don't have a reputation for fun in your home, don't be surprised when the kids get out on their own, they don't want to come back home. Why would they? It wasn't enjoyable place to be. I can remember when I was in college, I said, the 
first thing I want to do is I don't ever want to go home. I never thought it was a place of fun or security. It was always arguing and violence and divorce, and I never wanted to go home. Nobody was fun to be with. And I left. I went out on my own. My point was, I remember thinking, I want my kids to want to come home. And now they won't leave. (laughs) Would you help me? (laughs) Play with your family. Listen how the Passion Translation describes children. Psalms 127, verse 3. Children are God's love gift. They are heaven's generous reward. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. They'll choose your nursing home. Be nice. That's my translation. Happy will be the couple who has many of them. A family full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies, for your offsprings will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. See, we only get our kids a short time. Let's make it count. It gets shorter and shorter. So make it count with your children and your grandchildren. So make your home a place to play. You got to be fun first. Come on, some of you, if I asked your wife, is Charles fun to be with, she'd say, not much. (laughs) Not much. That's ridiculous. Have fun. I wasn't going to let Jesus stop me from being a fun person. There's nothing in Scripture that says that you should be morose and mournful and down and and bent over, look like you got rheumatoid arthritis because you're holy. No. And you read about the guys Jesus worked with. Holy cow. That must have been a riot. I don't want that guy on my dash. I'd rather have my mother-in-law's picture up on the dash. These guys were nuts. They did everything crazy. They were learning. They were growing. They were making mistakes, but they were safe with Jesus. So evaluate yourself. Do you enjoy your kids or endure them? Do you party with them or you just put up with them? Celebrate your family this weekend. Do something off the wall occasionally, but enjoy your family. And fourth point is family's a launching pad for ministry. Last one. Your family can become a team in ministry. If you want a strong family, nothing binds and unifies a family closer together where everybody knows the Lord and serves the Lord. They do it together. This is the one thing we all have in common. We know kids get different agendas, we get different agendas, but the one thing we all have in common is serving the Lord together. That's a glue that will last into eternity. And a good example is in Corinthians. Corinthians 16, verse 15, 1 Corinthians. You know that the family of Stephanus were the first Christians in the country of Greece. They are working for the Lord in helping His people. we got a lot of families doing that here at Summit. Dozens of families have opened their homes for small groups. We've got couples who serve in our children and students' ministries. Trust me, there are so many opportunities to serve as a spiritual family here. In the new year, we're going to be offering more opportunities through our 1230 service, which is coming. You'll hear more about it. And the greatest gift you can give your children is not a living trust or more money, and nothing wrong with any of those, but the greatest gift is a personal relationship with Jesus. Honestly, Dad, your number one priority is not your job. It's your relationship to God first, then your relationship with your wife, and then help your kids feel God's love. We need to be families focused on relationships, not on status. And too many parents are more interested in kids making the team than making the kingdom. See, we're not going to solve the breakdown in community and this country in any quick fix. 
But parents should make certain that their time and energies are being devoted to building a strong family and generations that can make a difference in our communities and our world. We can set our families on the path of Joshua 24. I will choose this day who I will serve. For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Dr. Tony Evans up in Dallas says it like this. When construction crews build a skyscraper, you can always tell how high they plan to go by how deep they drill the foundation. The higher they plan to go, the deeper the foundation, because you have to have a foundation worthy that will sustain what you're trying to build. And every parent wants their kids to have a skyscraper life, then you got to dig a deep foundation that won't crumble when the culture comes to eat them for lunch. Let's make that commitment to build strong foundations in our family. Not perfect, but we can improve. So I challenge you, what is the confession that needs to come out of your mouth today? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Have you said that? Have you made that commitment in your marriage and in your family? I hope so, because we are a family, and a family, we got to do the same things as the natural family. I want to be a shelter. You can park your race, your political opinion, park them at the door, and now there's no Jew, no Gentile, no male or female bond or free. You come into a safe zone, okay? This is a safe place for you. I want to be that. And we're a learning center as well. We want to learn how to behave in the kingdom. And some it's to be a launching pad for ministry. Yeah. We want to send people out. We want to get you involved in God's family. And it makes a big difference in the life of your family, and it will make a big difference in society. I encourage you to get involved today. And you know, we're a multi-generational church. We've been around a long time, so we've got people who started it. We've got people who were born here who are now on stage and leading. And then we've got these little munchkins running around at the front up here. They're the third generation to come. So we're transferring and pouring something into their lives and they're going to come after us. I want to make it a good one. I want to leave somebody, something behind. Leave a footprint behind that's positive for people to remember you about. Amen? For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.